isn't that an awesome message? The fact that our God is forever faithful and forever strong. I mean, what, what a fatherly image can we have other than that? As our God, our Heavenly Father, is forever powerful and forever for us and forever loving us. And there's, there's no downside to have a relationship with a father like that. Now, I know that we've had fathers that haven't been that perfect. We, all have, been, we have all had our mistakes and our failures. You know what? But love sees through that. So happy Father's Day, dads that are here and for those that are watching. Happy Father's Day. We want to honor you today. And we want to thank you for being who you are. You've not always been perfect. You've let us down sometimes. But you know what? That's okay. Because we have a Heavenly Father that will not. So stand with me, if you will. And let's just worship the Lord and honor our Father in heaven today as we honor our earthly fathers. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name, the name above all names. And we honor you today and we welcome your presence, your Holy Spirit. So just have your way. Settle in amongst amongst us today and just let us feel the presence of your Holy Spirit here that we then can worship our Father in heaven. Be blessed today as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship you. Yours will be the only name that matters to me, the only one whose favor I see, the only name that matters to me. Yours will be the friendship and affection I need to feel my father smiling on me, the only name that matters to me. Yours is the name, the name that saved me, mercy and grace and the power that forgave me, and your name is all I've ever needed. Yours will be the only name that matters to me, the only one whose favor I seek, the only name that matters to me. Yours is the name, the name that saved me, mercy and grace and the power that forgave me, and your love is all I'd ever needed. When I wake up in the land of glory, with the saints I will tell my story. Don't be one name that I proclaim. I know we're celebrating our dads today and the dads in our congregations and some things. But, you know, as we were singing earlier, the Lord inspired in my heart that we need to pray because I know that there are some relationships that are strained between dads. I just know the heart of God is broken 
over strained relationships between people. And I want to just take a moment here to pray for dads and fathers and sons and daughters' relationships. Dads, maybe you're feeling like you haven't done your job. Maybe you're feeling you've let your kids down. Maybe you haven't led them in holy, righteous living maybe in your life. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you have. Maybe you've done the best you can and your children are still astray or whatever. Children, maybe you've been offended by your dads. Maybe you're still holding wounds. Maybe some abuse. Verbal, mental, physical, sexual. All those can be healed. God is the healer of all things, not just physical, but he's the healer of relationships. So just agree with me in prayer, if you will. If you have a particular issue that you are struggling with, I pray that you would just release it now. Just bring it to the cross and lay it at the foot of Jesus and say, Father, Jesus, please allow me to forgive my dad. Allow me to forgive him of the things that maybe have happened against me or others in my family. Dads, maybe you need to forgive yourselves. If you've been forgiven by Christ, if it's been already brought under the blood of Christ, then if Jesus forgives, then you need to forgive and release yourself. Wives, you need to speak into the lives of your husbands. You need to speak into the lives of your husbands and the father of your children. Release them. They're not perfect. Speak into their lives of encouragement, love. Father, I just come to you in Jesus' name, and I ask you to just do the Holy Spirit work in the lives of your people. You know every situation. You know every family dynamic. You know exactly what needs to be mended. You know exactly what needs to be put back together. And I just pray, Father, that you would just do the work as only you can, perfectly as you can, and you can restore relationships, and you can bring strained feelings broken feelings can heal them and I just pray that you would and I pray that others would feel your release in Jesus name amen and I'm excited about what we're going to be doing today I'm excited the fact that we have three godly men here that are going to be speaking some of the attributes of the, of the Father today. But you know, it's interesting how we have, all of us have a perspective of what it is to be a dad or to have a father. We've all have one. <laughs> I mean, that's a fact. We all have a father. And I know sometimes holidays like this can be difficult because... Um, for all the reasons we've already been t- talking about and prayed over. And most of us here, dads, are in our, our past, our child-rearing days. Uh, we're now we're grandparents for the most part. And, uh, and even though we've never been perfect in it, let me just encourage you as you hear today of the grace and mercy of God the Father and as you hear of his provision and even as you hear of his discipline, that it's never too late to start over if you need to. I mean, that's the enemy's plan. The enemy's strategy is to discourage us and to uh, just give us a sense of hopelessness, like it's too late. But let me tell you, it's never too late in the kingdom. It's never too late to have a brand new beginning to have a new relationship with the Heavenly Father and then to our earthly children and to our wives. So I want to start out this morning by honoring our Father the way Jesus did. 
Jesus honored his heavenly father. He was the perfect role model of a son. He only did what his father instructed him to do. He never went outside of his father's will. But he did it intentionally. And he started off by praying a prayer that we all pray. So I'd like us to pray together the Lord's Prayer. The way the Father was honored by his son, Jesus. Pray with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I love the way Jesus starts the prayer. Our Father. Not just my Father, but our Father. God is so big that he can be all of our fathers and he can be that perfect dad that we need to have, that perfect relationship that we need to have that that we haven't had maybe here. And that's why I'm excited about inviting Pastor Leland to come up. He's going to come first and speak, but then then Pastor Rip. And uh, just uh, come and share with what the Lord has on your heart for what it means in your perspective what the Heavenly Father means to you in regards to grace and mercy. Uh, Pastor Mike, I appreciate you giving us the opportunity to share uh, today. And, and it's a special day because, quite frankly, uh, there's a lot of honors in life. I've received different awards throughout my life, and I've got things at home that mean a great deal to me and, you know, that I hang on the wall or I put you know, wherever, so people can see it, and a lot of it I've packed away because I don't have the room that I used to have, and hang on my office walls, and you know, all those things, that accolades that we, that meant something, truly meant something to us throughout our lives, and and we were humbled and to receive them, and, but I, I honestly, honestly have to say there's no greater honor uh, than being a, a father, you know, and having children that, that you love and that love you. And there maybe is, there's one that's real close, though, and that's being a, a grandfather or a papa. Uh, as I tell you, it, you know, uh, I tell people all the time, I, uh, uh, I said, if, it, if I'd have known how much fun it was going to be be a pawpaw, I would have skipped having kids and just went straight to that. You know? But obviously that's not possible, but but man. And I think God gives us grandkids, and I think the reason why we, one of the reasons why we enjoy our grandchildren so much is that we, we learned some things with our children <laughs> that, you know, we were I'll speak for myself. I was kind of young and dumb and didn't know how to appreciate things, you know, that with my kids that now I cherish with my grandkids because, you know, those are, those are, are things that, that uh, we just didn't know. I, I didn't know how to appreciate certain things. Now every little thing uh, with the grandkids, I think uh, I do. I notice so many things with my grandkids kids that I didn't notice with my children, you know, and there's things with my children I, I noticed, I remember, and, but it, it's just, but but it's such an honor to, to be a father, and we're so thankful to, to have my son and my daughter in love, I call them daughter in love, or son in love since they're laws, but um, because quite frankly, uh, uh, my children's spouses like children to, the, to us, so we just love them, and, and it's so good to have them and our granddaughters with us today, and um, they've been here about almost three weeks, and I have to honestly say it's been the greatest 
you know, and my daughter uh, and her three of her four boys were here a few weeks ago for a few days, and then of course we have our daughter that lives in East Jordan that brought us up here, and and so it, it's been absolutely been the grandest summer ever, ever, and uh, we we just I couldn't ask for a better summer than than I've had this this year, um, but. But we're so thankful for that and the opportunity to, to have time uh, to spend with them. And um, unfortunately, you know, uh, we're, they're going home tomorrow. So I, I don't know, you know, it's going to, you know, we're going to miss them. It's going to be different uh, around. But um, we're, we're so thankful. Just, uh, uh, we... I've, I've pastored several churches, and most of those churches were were relatively small churches uh, throughout. Most of it was in West Texas. I did pastor my first church was in North Texas, up near Wichita Falls, and uh, but uh, we we pastored uh, several churches, and God blessed us, and 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 we've seen so many uh, things, and God do some great. Uh, things in those in in those churches, and uh, you know, not because of me, but because of him, and because of what some things I'm going to talk about today, his mercy, his grace, and uh, you know, God is is uh, is indeed a wonderful father, and because of those you know those smaller churches, I was bifurcational. Uh, I believe all but one of those churches I, I you know I had a, and even then I was you know, uh, was uh, somewhat bivocational in that I, I volunteered in, in uh, a sense of, of uh, I was a firefighter paramedic and still hold those certifications but uh, I, I've done that for 40 years and and closed my firefighting EMS career uh with teaching in uh, uh, in a college setting, uh, teaching those subjects. So, you know, it, it was a, a wonderful career and a wonderful time of serving in that manner. But uh, but God has been good, and we're just so thankful that He has brought us to Michigan. With in that we, you know, probably eight nine years ago we would have never dreamed being in Michigan. Uh, we just why Michigan? You know, Michigan was kind of a, well, it was never a thought in our mind uh, at that time. And, of course, our daughter moving up here changed that. And and now it's it's such a big part of our lives. And we're, we're thankful for that uh, as well. But uh, I had to get up this morning and, and rewrite some scriptures on my notes and different things because... Uh, last night, it was the Lord just began to, as I was laying there as I often do, uh, waiting to go to sleep. Uh, you know, a lot of times that's when it seems like, especially if I'm going to be preaching the, that week or that <laughs> next morning, it's like the Lord really gets to working and speaking to my mind and, and everything. And he did that. So I had to get up and rewrite. And it, I just, I'm just amazed just how God works. Uh, and and uh, especially in, in presenting the gospel. But uh, one of the things that, that he gave me was, and spoke to me last night, was what Pastor Mike just led us in, and that was the Lord's Prayer. That was one of the things that he gave me last night. And in Matthew chapter 6, you know, in verse 9 through 12, he, you know, Jesus taught us how to pray, and one of those things that Pastor said was that was Father. You know, he he instructed us to pray to the Father, and that's awesome within itself that we have that privilege of going straight to the Heavenly Father. As our children run to us, when you know, and I I've watched and the girls the the past few weeks, and of course we've seen it when we were visiting them. You know, when, when they get hurt, the first thing they do 
is run to their parents. I mean, you know, crying and, and whatever. That's the first thing that they do. And uh, so, you know, Jesus knew that that's how we were and how we was going to be because I feel that's the way he was, that he always depended and went to his father for help and for direction and, and all those things. Now, this is Father's Day, but I have to be honest, me personally it was my mother. When I was going through the, the toughest times in my life, I always turned to my mother. My dad learned a lot of things, but my dad and I wasn't, <clears throat> and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not ashamed of it. I was mama's boy, and my brother was more daddy, you know, daddy's boy. And, and, uh, but, but we run to our father. We run to that one that we feel get the comfort and the encouragement and the help from. And that's what Jesus knew. And, and that's why I believe that's one reason why he instructed us when we pray to pray in this manner. Because he knew that's where our help lies, was in the Father. But something that the Lord really spoke to me last night that ties in with this mercy and grace was within the, the prayer that Jesus uh, instructed us on how to pray uh, was this. Uh, and and uh, since we prayed it, I won't read the whole thing, but in verse 12 it says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. One of the things is there is we must forgive to receive forgiveness. And he goes on in that same scripture to, to instruct us in that. You know. But here's, here's the main thing, the word forgive the word forget, because it ties in so much with mercy and grace, which we'll talk about here in just a second. Now, I want to go to Luke chapter, uh, let's see here. Yeah, uh, chapter 11 and verse 13 uh, and I'm going to tie all this together here in just a second. So hang with me. It says, What father among you, and I'm reading from the Amplified, if his son asks for a loaf of bread, you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you give him a serpent? Well, no father does that. Unless they're an evil, evil father. You know, nobody, no father would do that. Right? And... Or if he asks for an egg, he gives him a scorpion. And in verse uh, 13, is, is so important here, it says, If you then, evil as you are, know how to give good gifts, and those are gifts that are to the advantage, the Amplified says, to advantage to the individual, if, he, if, if those that are evil know to do that, then how much more will your heavenly Father give you, and in that scripture it says the Holy Spirit, but also we could think of it as even greater gifts, more spiritual gifts, and the gifts that is needful to us. Now I want you to keep the word gifts so forgive and gifts to the things that we get. Now let's look at John 3.16, probably, if not the most well-known scripture of all time. And probably everyone in this room, you know, could, could uh, quote it from memory because it's, it, it, it's a cornerstone, if you please, of the good news, of the gospel. And... I want to try to tie this together now. In John 3.16, it says that God, which is the Father, so loved the world, which was everybody, all creation, that he what? He gave. He gave. 
without us asking, without he just gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but what? Have eternal life. The two words there that I want to emphasize is gave and had. God gave, we had. Okay, the Father gave and we had. He gave the good gifts. He gave the greatest gift, which was eternal life. So God gave and we have. Now let's get down to business about grace and mercy. The definition of grace is courteous and goodwill. Courteous goodwill. Not asked for nor deserved, but it's freely given. That's what grace is. Not asked for, it's courteous goodwill. Not asked for, but it's freely given. Now mercy is the compassion and kindness shown to someone whom it is in one's power to punish or harm. We'll say that again. It's the compassion and kindness shown to someone whom it is in one's power to punish or harm. And mercy, it is meant to relieve someone of their suffering. Folks, we, it's, it's amazing to me, God's grace and mercy. That's why we, I, I'm, we can all think of the song and the words of amazing grace. It truly is amazing. It truly is. Because, see, we are, the Scripture tells us in Romans that we're all sinners. We're, it doesn't matter how good we are or how bad we are or nothing else. We're, we're all sinners. Started in the garden and it just trickled down to us. We're all sinners and come short of the glory of God. That's what it says. And the only thing that can change that is the mercy. Uh, we're all destined. See, and I want to bring us back. Let's look at the scripture in Romans that says, for the wages of our shortcomings, of our sins, of all that, that we are guilty of, the wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, but eternal death. Now wages, when you work and you expect wages, you deserve those wages. You deserve them. You worked for it. You deserved it. I've heard people say, well, how in the world can a loving God send somebody to hell? No, God doesn't send anyone to hell. You have to work to go to hell. You do. Because there's a way out. <laughs> and you have to really work at it to, re, you know, to, to I mean, because God's working to draw us all into that grace and into that mercy and into his love and into his promises and his, you know, all that he offers. And we have to work to push it away. But see, wages are deserved. Now, I want you to remember that as we move along here. So the wages of sin is death, but, don't you just love that word, but, but God, but the gift, the gift of God is eternal life. Death, life. Wages, death. Gift, life. Now let me tie it together. We had the definition of mercy. We had the definition of grace. And this is, may not be new to some of you. See, mercy 
is God not giving us what we deserve. Remember, wages, we deserve them. Wages, sin, death. Mercy is not God giving us those wages that we deserve, that debt that we really deserve. That's mercy. See, God could have said, I'm done with man. He failed me. I created him to have relationship with me, and we had that in the garden, and then man just threw it away. I'm done. They deserve to die and just wipe mankind out. He said, I'll, I'll try something else. But he didn't. He had mercy. He didn't give man what he deserved. So mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. The gift. <laughs> Life. You get that? Now when we get that, then we can truly appreciate what God has done. We can truly appreciate that relationship that God deserves, or God desires, and our soul desires. We all, we're, we're humans, and I think God made us that way. We desire relationships, with that be with that significant other, our children, our grandchildren, whatever the case may be, dear friends. We, we, we're, a, we're a relationship being, and God made us that way. But the main reason God wanted us, because he, he told Adam and Eve, says, go and multiply. So he, he made that relationship. He, you know, he made those relationships, and he wanted us to have dear friends that we could turn to in times of need and trouble and all that. But the biggest relationship he desired was that relationship between him, uh, between he and us. Folks, I preached a message several years ago, and I warned the, the, the congregation. I said, this is going to rock your faith. It's going to rock your religious world. Some of you, it's going to challenge you to the core. But I believe it. I believe this, and it's right here, what I'm talking about today. I said, don't tell me and preach to me about God's forgiveness if there's people in your lives you can't forgive. And I'm talking to the Christian. I wasn't talking to the, <laughs> the, the sinner. I was talking to my, the, the Christians in the congregation. I said, don't talk to me about, about God's forgiveness and how righteous you are through the, through the grace of God if you harbor unforgiveness. And here's, here's, here's why I said that. And this was the part I said it's going to you know, challenge your faith, true faith in God's forgiveness. Is that there is no one that's beyond God's forgiveness. No one. Thank you for sharing on Facebook about your dad yesterday. That was such a beautiful, beautiful thing. It was just a beautiful story. But do you know what touched me the most? was you said when your dad would take you to Sunday school, he had a bit of a problem feeling that he deserved to go. That just, of course he did. <laughs> of course he deserved to go because of God's mercy and because of God's grace. So easy for us sometimes that maybe have been sheltered because we were raised or we were taught young about God's love and grace. Sometimes it's so easy for us to, to look at others that are evil and terrible. And, and folks, there's people out there that are evil. They are. There's evil, and we see it probably more today than maybe we've ever seen it. Evil, just pure evil. But we've got to remember that those God loves those people. And he will forgive them. And if that person, that that person can go to heaven. And I want you to, I, I don't care who they are, I want you to think of the worst, most evil human being you've ever maybe encountered or heard of. I want you to think of them. I want you to 
to call that person. And then I want you to challenge your faith and say, if, if I'm saved, if I'm truly saved and I believe in what God can do in my life and has done in my life, I, can, I might see that person in heaven if they ask. That's God's mercy. That's God's grace. God bless you. Pastor Rick, come. My name is Rip Hankins. Some of you know that and some don't. Uh, my wife and I were saved in 1981, same day. Uh, little church over in Petoskey, Assemblies of God. And I uh, had no idea just what that was going to mean, except that it was really good at that time. But I had further down the road, I didn't know exactly what God had in store and didn't know what gifts that he was giving me that I had to pay attention to. And uh, through all of the years, this last 40 years, it's been, it's been an exciting journey. And uh, Charlevoix Assembly of God, Centerpoint Assembly of God, has been uh, my home base. Um, I have an apostolic ministry, and uh, we go on journeys to help troubled churches. And uh, my wife has followed me in and out of all of them, and uh, I'm really amazed at that, but she has, still loves me, and uh, still loves the church after everything we've been through, but uh, it, uh, that's, that's basically what we do. And uh, in between, uh, we, we come here, and the last time we were sent out of here was, and uh, I remember that day, it was Easter Sunday of... Uh, um, 2017, four years ago, but it was a joy to return back home. Uh, that was a that was a bumpy uh, three and a half years. I told Pastor Mike, I said, you know, we've been away for on this journey for three and a half years. You know what three and a half years is? It's half a tribulation, and um, that <laughs> that was a bumpy one. But uh, that's what God does. You know, He just sends us into troubled churches, and He's always done that. And I didn't want to admit that until just recently in recent years. But anyways, I want to bring to you this subject this morning on Father's Day, the, the eternal provision of our Father. And I just want to recall uh, from Matthew 6, <laughs> Leland, you were touching on Matthew 6, Pastor Mike on Matthew 6, and I'm going to take the end of that. It says uh, in verses 25 through 33, it's a very popular very well known, and one of our favorites is, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. That added unto you part was the first real piece of scripture when we came into the kingdom, April 5th, 1981, that added unto you. These things will be added unto you. All these things. That became real to me because my wife and I had just come from Arizona 
long story, but we were out in Phoenix area, and we moved back to our home area in Petoskey, and we came back with nothing, basically, just the clothes on our back and a few little things. We'd been married for three years, and we had to reestablish, go back to step one. And out of all of that, all of my worrying about what what am I going to do? Where am I going to work? There were no jobs back then. None. And the Lord began to put things together. And this verse became real. Seek first the kingdom of God. Make it a priority. And so along the way, the Lord began to establish some things. And I, and I had this little, this little uh, theme saying, of when you follow, when you get the pattern right, when you get the scriptural pattern right, the glory of God falls, comes upon you, is in your midst, and you walk in it. But you've got to get the pattern right. And so, I have to go back through my years with my dad, and I look at this and I see, I see bits and pieces of things where especially where the things that my dad did, and even as Jackie relates every year, um, in a wonderful manner, because I, I can relate to that. You know, we don't have perfect dads. And my dad, was, my dad was my hero, still is, but I mean, as a child, growing up. And uh, I, there were some things that happened that I had to forgive him for. And isn't that just life in particular? If forgiveness is given to us that we may forgive others, but truthfully, it's there because it's going to happen. And so through those things, I reconciled with my dad when I was about, I don't know, um, 34, 35-ish, something like that. I reconciled with my dad, and, uh, and we could enjoy our, our relationship more. Um, my dad not an un, was an unbeliever, um, pagan, uh, not pagan in the sense of, New Age as we know it, but I mean, he was your, uh, he was a, he was a thoroughbred heathen. (laughs) That was my dad. And growing up, I knew this about my dad. He, he made sure that his family had enough. We didn't have much more than enough, but we had enough. Never went to bed hungry. Even when I was bad, he never held that as a punishment that we went to bed hungry. And I think it was his days in the airborne that, that taught him what it is to go to bed hungry. Because, you, you know, young men in such an active part of service, they need a lot to eat. And my dad was one of those. that He wanted a lot to eat. And, and uh, we, we, always had, we always had plenty. Always had provision for that. We never had much more. And through that, this is what I've learned about my Heavenly Father that he knows what I need before I need it. And that's why we are told not to worry. You know what worrying does? You take a child who doesn't have, I mean, we have, if you're a worrier, if anybody here struggles with worry and anxiety, that goes back to your childhood. There are some things that need to be fixed in your childhood before you can fix that. Medication won't do it. I hope you understand that. And that's what Jesus was trying to do, is he wanted to fix everybody's worry problem right away because a father does not want his children worrying about things that they ought to have. On top of that, I I found that my father liked to give me things that I wanted. Now, how cool is that? And I learned that this is true in Matthew 6.33. All of these things will be added. And we also know that if you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. And there are people that try to downplay that and say, He will put the desires so He can fulfill them. No. What kind of a dad is that? What kind of a scripture is that? If you delight yourself in this heavenly Father and love Him with your whole life, He will look at you. He will honor that. 
God honors those who honor Him. Honor Him every chance you get. Get the pattern right and the glory will fall. Father knows those needs. Don't worry about it. Don't stress over it. Don't don't wring your hands. If you're ever around anxious people, don't you feel nice, warm, and cozy? No, it makes you anxious too. If there's any spirit that you can have imparted to you, it's the spirit of anxiety and worry. Never going to have enough. This is going to happen. We go to the worst case scenario. and That's unbelief. Believe God that He's going to give you what you need and He goes over the top and He gives you even more than what you need from time to time. He enjoys doing that. My dad enjoyed doing that. I like the part where, you know, it, it says... In, uh, in, the, in later verses in 31, so don't worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all of these things. The pagans run after all that stuff. But we aren't supposed to do that. It says and your heavenly Father knows what you need. He knows what you need. You know what's a good dad here on this earth? It's a good dad that knows what his kids need. If you don't know what your kids need, you, what your own children need, there's something wrong there, and and it's difficult to see that, and that's what eats away at a father in his later years if he's he's struck with with failure and and all kinds of problems, dysfunction in the family, and his kids just resenting him, is that he goes right back to the basic need. I didn't give them enough. Is that not true? It's because it's given to a father to provide for the family, provide. For his children. And there's one story that I want to leave with you this morning. My dad and I butted heads more than once or twice. My mom called me the wild child. My, my, my brother Lyle is seven years younger than me. And uh, he was, he was uh, mom and dad's favorite is what my sister and I called him. You know, those younger kids always do that. And uh, I love my brother. We get along just like brothers. We really do. We, we work together, in fact, um, in his business. But uh, apart from that, my dad my dad and I butted heads a few times. And, and I just gave up going to him for anything. He wanted to go fishing? Yeah, well, Maybe. Want to go hunting? Well, I'll go hunting because I liked hunting, not because I'm with Dad. But there was one occasion where my friend in my senior year, my friend and I, were going to get on the back of his motorcycle, and me, I'm going to have a backpack on my back on his motorcycle. Can you see that? Two teenage boys, one's got a backpack. But, oh, what kind of bike? It was a little Suzuki 100 dirt bike. And we were going to ride from Harbor Springs to Onaway area and go up into the Black River Forest. And, and we had a specific place that we loved to go to. And we were planning this ride. And I, and I just, matter of factly, as a senior, I could do this, you know. As a senior, I was a big guy now. And, and I just said, oh, Mom, Dad, Wally's coming over and we're going to go for a ride on his motorcycle. We're going to go camp out for the weekend. We'll be back Sunday night. And my dad looks at me and he goes... Why didn't you ask me? You see, my dad had a Yamaha 350. I loved that bike. I loved it. But I didn't want to ask my dad. And I could see my dad was hurt. Hurt and perplexed. It just didn't factor in to his being a dad that his son wouldn't ask him, even in his later years of high school, my senior year, I didn't ask him for that. We were going to go over hunting. We were going to, you know, back then, you could 
strap a rifle on and no one would ask a question, you know. Those were the days, I'll tell you. But my dad says, don't you want to take the motorcycle? He says, that that hundred is not going to make it with the both of you on the back. And sure enough, and my friend Wally found that out sooner or later. But, but anyways, that amazed me. And it set a precedent in my life as a Christian that I should ask my father when I had a need for something, even when it was going to be my own plans. My, and and this, is just, this is just God, is that he watches over our safety when we go and do things that aren't necessarily his plan. And he teaches a lesson in it, doesn't he? My dad trusted me with that bike. Trusted me with it two years, three years before that when he got it. Afterwards, he gave it to me as a graduation gift. That's just God. He wants to provide for us, but how many of us don't have because we don't ask? That's in the book of James. You have not because you ask not. And then it goes on to say, and then when you do ask, you know, it's for your own selfish, you know, and, and, uh, it, and that's the problem with asking Father God for something that we say, oh, Lord, no, this is just kind of selfish. And there are so many things that I've put off through the years that, and I remarked this to my wife just the other day as I'm thinking back over the last two years, just the last two years, the, all of the things that, that I'd secretly, meaning I never vocalized it, but I just, I didn't even want the Holy Spirit to know it, but He does, you know, every thought. I just put it aside and don't want those things. And they were for fun. And guess what He's doing now? He's doing just that very thing. And I look at it, and it's just stuff. But not when your father says, I'm giving it to you. Don't you remember when you wanted this and didn't want to ask me for it? And I remember my dad's lesson. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That means we are given everything we need. You will not want. Amen. Thank you, Leland and Rip. You know, that's, uh, that's amazing. Thank you for those words. It's, it's the hardest thing to do to give a pastor 15 minutes. But you did good. I'll keep it. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to keep mine about 10. But I, I thank you so much for everything you've shared because it was right on and right to the point and things we need to hear. And I want to just finish up this morning thinking about all of this because when we think about love and we think about Father's grace, mercy, and his provision, th- those are all amazing. But we have to go one step further because a father really proves his love to us like that but also through, through something that we often consider a negative. But I want to speak about it in a positive. And that is that God disciplines his children. You can't have love if you don't have discipline. Discipline must be part of the mix. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This writer has been discussing in this passage the love of Jesus proved to us by the fact that he gave up his life for us. And he did everything that he could to give us eternal life. That Jesus proved his love by dying in our place, as Leland said. Mercy and grace are things that God has provided for us that mercy that we gained, that we didn't deserve, Grace is something that was, God gave us as a gift all through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But then he goes on to give us the ultimate proof of love. So I want to read verses 12, chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. And I'm reading this in an easy-to-read translation. So it's something that we can really grasp, I think. Beginning at verse 4. 
Jesus, the writer says, you are struggling against sin, but you have not yet had to give up your life for the cause. You are children of God. Children, you are children of God. And he speaks words of comfort to you, but you have forgotten these words. He says, my child, don't think the Lord's discipline is worth nothing. And don't stop trying when he corrects you. The Lord disciplines everyone he loves. He punishes everyone he accepts as a child. So accept sufferings like a father's discipline. God does these things to you like a father correcting his children. You know that all children are disciplined by their fathers. So if you have never received the discipline that every child must have, you are not true children and don't really belong to God. We have all had fathers here on earth who corrected us with discipline, and we, and we respected them. So it is even more important that we accept discipline from the father of our spirits. If we do this, we will have life. Our fathers on earth disciplined us for a short time in the way they thought was best. But God disciplines us to help us so that we can be holy like him. We don't enjoy discipline when we get it. It is painful. But later, after we have learned our lesson from it, we will enjoy the peace that comes from doing what is right. So godly discipline, how important is it? I want to make two points real quickly. That God, number one, God proves his fatherly love through us, for us, through discipline. And this comes in two forms. It comes in the form of correction, which would be rebuke and punishment. And it also comes in the form of training. Discipline can also be a form of training. In other words, how do you live daily? You train yourselves to read the Bible and to pray and to do good to other people. So discipline can be a form of rebuke. And it can also be a form of how do you get your life in the best shape you possibly could be in through discipline. And then we can have one of two reactions to God's discipline. We can either ignore it and call it worthless and totally discount it as not for me, but for somebody else. And we can, or we can be offended by it. We can reject it that way. But God's is trying to discipline us as a way to prove to us that he really loves us. We all know as fathers how difficult it is to discipline. I can remember when my dad, who was a good disciplinarian, (laughs) with a belt, (laughs) and I can remember (laughs) trying to outrun that belt, and I never could outrun it. But I remember, though, my dad saying this before he did it. And I never understood it until I became a dad. He would say, Mike, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And I said, Dad, what are you talking about? I'm the one, getting, I'm the one on, the, on the slapping end of the belt. But, you know, as I had children, it was really, really hard to discipline my children. But I knew I had to. I knew that I couldn't ignore it. Because if I ignored that, I, I, if I ignored the discipline that they, that they deserved, that they needed to have into their life, that they would end up being worse off for it. So discipline of all types is painful while you're going through it. And even working out sometimes can be painful. But yet at the end, it's good. So that's the first point, is that God loves, proves his love through discipline. The second point I want to make is that we prove our love back to God. We prove our love back to our Father by obedience. And we do this by accepting godly discipline in our lives. We see the value of what God is trying to do by disciplining us. Either in the form of correction or rebuke or in the form of trying to teach us how to live a daily life that is pleasing to him. And we choose not to be offended. We choose not to um, take it in a harsh way but we look at it as a way that he is proving his love to us. And Jesus says, if you love me, if you love me, you will obey me. And that's how we prove our love back. 
a father disciplines a child, loves back in the process. And my dad would always tell me as well that you know when you've completed the task. See, the discipline is not the spanking. That was just the attention getter. The discipline part is the speaking after the fact. And, if, and you, you, if you were really consistent in it, you didn't even have to spank because they knew when they got to look that there needed to be a conversation. The hardest part about discipline was hearing how I disappointed, how I let him down. But you knew, my dad said, and I experienced it as well, you know when you've done the task is when the child crawls up in your lap because he wants to be hugged. You know you've done the task. If, if they're angry and mad and they're stopping off, you've got to keep disciplining because all you've done is made them mad. You've made them angry. And, you're their, and now you are their worst enemy. So you haven't completed the discipline yet. That's the problem, folks, is that when we reject God's discipline and we get angry and we rebel, God knows there's more that he has to do. Discipline is effective when, you, when the child crawls up in your lap and he wants to be hugged. That's the love of God. There is no downside to a fatherly, heavenly father kind of relationship to us. In the good, in the bad, and in the ugly. Because sometimes it goes through all three aspects. But when we know at the end that there is peace that comes from, that when we do what's right, it's peaceful. So the way I want to end this this morning is that I would like to ask, and I did, they didn't know this, I'd ask us, Pastor Leland to come back up and Pastor Rip, and I'd like them to pray a prayer of benediction for all of us according to the message that they gave. Father God, we just thank you. Lord, that you didn't give up on us. Yeah. Lord, when we didn't always do what was right, you didn't give up but you extended your grace and your mercy. And Lord, you continue to extend it every day of our lives, and we, we, we honor you for that. We thank you for uh, loving us that much. And Lord, we just, uh, we, we just give our love to you today. We extend our gratitude and our love. Thank you, Lord, for your peace. Yeah. And Lord, I confer that upon these people, peace. The stability that comes through provision be given to each one that's here. Amen. Not to worry not to give any thought, not to be anxious for anything. And Lord, may that stability flow through their lives. And even this week, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for your loving discipline, the way that you've watched over us. And Lord, I pray that we would have a reaction to your discipline of love that we would reply back to you that, yes, Father, thank you for that fact that you've pointed that out, that you've shown us in that area of that we need a little help, a little encouragement, a little direction, a little change. Help us to be receiving that in a positive way, not in a negative way. Help us to absorb that and to, uh, and to then reflect it back to you in an attitude of love, of obedience, that we would willingly and quickly want to please you. And so, Father, I know that many areas here of people, there's many people as there are here have issues. And I pray, God, that if it's mercy or grace related, I pray that they would just allow the mercy and grace of Christ to fill their hearts. If it's a fear of anxiety and worry about today and tomorrow, about what we don't have, I pray, God, that you would just bring peace, that you would just bring provision, that you would just let us all know that you have everything in store and help us to focus our eyes on Christ the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, 
scorning its shame, and now, set, and now is sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, waiting for us to receive and then to be welcomed into his kingdom. So, Father, I just pray your blessing on us now as we go. I pray, God, that we would go and, and uh, just honor our fathers today. And for all those that maybe have to say, I'm sorry, say, I'm sorry. But, Lord, most importantly, this say, I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. And I love you, son. I love you, daughter. And I pray your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.